Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is always one of these fun times where we get a parable from Jesus, and like the one we get right afterwards, we hear of, well, we hear of all these things that take place, and then all of a sudden the pastor has to say, this is the gospel of the Lord, and everyone has to say, praise be to thee, O Christ. It's a harsh parable. It's a harsh word from our Lord today. When he speaks in parables, comparing the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven to something, we should pay attention. And we should always try and figure out who are we within this parable, right? Parables are speakings of Christ so that those who are faithful truly understand what's happening. Those who trust in Jesus Christ hear this and they say, I know who's who. But those who don't have faith hear something like this and they say, what a harsh king. What a harsh man to do such a horrible thing to these people. But know who this king is that sends out this invitation. This king is God. God the Father sending out the invite to people so they would join in the marriage feast of his son and his church, his bride. And the people hear it, and what do they do? Nothing. They just disregard it at first, right? They would not come. Again, he sends other servants saying, tell those invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fattened calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come, come to the wedding feast. Do you think that would do it? What happens? They say, no thanks. I'm busy, you know. Got a lot of things going on right now. Got to deal with my farm. Got my job. A lot of things going on. I just can't make it there. Sorry about that. Right? Even worse, there are those who hear the message and they hear this great invite, this great thing, come to a feast. Nothing is required of you. Right? Nothing is required. Come and dine. Please, please, please. And what do some do? They take these men, treat them shamefully, and if that's not worse enough, that they kill them. And because of all this, the king was angry, right? He sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he says to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited, those people who did all those horrible things, they're not worthy. Go therefore, as we might say, to the highways and byways, right? The highways and the hedges, right? Go therefore and invite to the feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads, and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. Right? So the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. He wasn't wearing the right clothes. And some people might read this and say, how harsh. 
So what? So what if he wasn't wearing the right things? Does that give him the right to say, friend, how did you get in here without the right clothes? And does that give him the right when the man has no answer to say to his servants, bind him hand and foot and cast him out into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth? What gives him the right? It's a valid question, something we should consider. But remember who's who, right? Remember who's who. The king is God himself. And what he asks is not unreasonable. Because in the ancient times, when you attended a wedding and a feast, you were given a garment to show that you belonged there. You were given a garment that said that you're part of what's going on. And this man thought that he could get in, sneak in, and do what he wanted to do. And he got away for a little while, right? He snuck in past the ushers. <laughs> he snuck in past the servants. But he can't fool his king. He knows what's going on. The wedding garment is typified by the robe of righteousness that is placed on us through holy baptism. That, in essence, well, let me not get ahead of myself here. When we ask who's who within this parable, we have to keep things straight and we say, those, those who are the ones who hear the invite of God to come to church, to come and hear his word, to come and dine at his table, and they say, I'm just too busy, I just can't make it. Oh, you're serving the body and blood of Christ? Well, you know, I got that invoice to submit, so I just can't make it, right? Put in the right light, it sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? I mean, our Lord calls us. Our Lord calls us to sit and to be given things. He calls us. He prepares everything for us. He does it all for you so that all you have to do is be given something, be given grace and forgiveness and mercy Pardon for your sin. It is a wonderful gift. And we are those who are the ones who are called last. Those who are gathered in last and are there at the banquet, both good and bad, right? But we are warned in this parable it's very interesting. For those who are here to hear it, right? For those who are here to hear this gospel proclamation, most likely you're not the ones who heard that invite and said no thanks, right? Most likely, I mean, actually, y'all are the ones who came. You're the ones who said, yes, that sounds good. I'll have some of that. Thank you, Lord, for being so gracious to me. I want to be there and receive all that you have to give, all the good things that you want from me. That's you. 
But Jesus goes a little further. Because then amongst those who are gathered, there are those still who are like this man who snuck in and is still thinking that he can get in under his own works. This man shows up and he says, and and he probably says within himself, you know, I don't really like the style of the garment. It doesn't really fit me. I, I think I'll just come as I am and just stay that way, right? I'll be me and I'll stay that way. And the Lord calls us, those who are gathered, to receive his word and to receive the body and blood of Christ in a very real way, you must be baptized. You must be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. You must trust in him as your savior. Before you can really understand what's going on here, right? That's the baseline. But this man says, no, thank you. I, I, I think I'll just stay on my own accord. I'll just stay me. This man is all the people who come to church and while they're wrestling with a sin, they're wrestling with something that's secret and sinful. They're still saying things like, in their heart of hearts, yes, I have been given God's grace. I'm forgiven. Oh, but did you hear about what so-and-so did? Yes, I, I'm forgiven. I have God's grace. But let me just go check out this. Let me just go check out this. This website that I shouldn't really check out, right? That's not that bad, right? It's not that bad to say I have been forgiven by God, that Christ has died for me and my sin. Oh, except for the sin of gossip. Oh, except for the sin of lust or the sin of adultery or the sin of hatred. Can you imagine that? To come and sit in the presence of God and say, thanks be to God that he has forgiven my sin, but I hate my cousin because of what they did to me and I'll never speak to them again. These things, they don't go together, right? That when you gather to hear of God's word, to hear of his grace, you let go of the sin that corrupts you. You let go of the sin that would separate you from God. Let those things go because God offers you something so much more, so much better. That beneath this parable of harshness and judgment, rightful judgment on people who deserve it, beneath it is God's grace peeking out. God's grace that says, I invite you. I do it all for you. I died for you so that you could be cleansed, so that you could be free from sin. I did all this for you so that you could know that I love you. And he says, take on the garment that I give to you, the righteousness that Christ has won for you. Clothe yourself with his grace. And be a new person. Be a new creation. Do the things that you have been called to do by the grace of God. That's what's peeking out here. 
That's what's showing a bit of light through this harshness that we gravitate towards and want to say, God is a harsh God. But remember, he's only a harsh God towards sin. But the wages of sin is death. That God has nothing for sin but wrath itself. And he calls all those who would hear that to despair of their sin, to cast it away and say, Lord, I do not want that, but what you have is so much greater. Many are called, but few are chosen. In a lot of ways, that should not trouble those who have been called and chosen. Those who, by the grace of God, by the Holy Spirit, have believed in Christ, have heard his word of salvation, have heard his word that says, repent, turn away from your sin, turn away from death, and live. Not by your own doing, but by Christ himself, and what he has done for you, in dying for you, in shedding his blood for you, Not only that, in washing you clean with the water and his word to show that you are now his child. To know that as his children, we can read this parable and say, yes, this is harsh, but this is what my heavenly father is telling me so that I would know the truth, so that I would know what he desires. He is a good father. He does not, he's not going to tell us lies. He's not going to deceive us so that we would do the right thing, right? He's not like parents who tell, who tell um, he's not like parents who tell their kids that the DVD player that's in the car doesn't work except for on the highways, right? You know what I'm talking about? They could really teach their kids, we don't watch that unless we're on a long trip and because we want to spend time with each other as a family. But instead, they to bypass it, they just say, yeah, that thing doesn't really work except for in certain circumstances, right? God is not like that. He tells us the full truth, even when that truth sounds harsh, because he wants us to be aware. He wants us to have our eyes open. He wants us to know just what kind of people are out there, and really what kind of pe- what, what some people might do when they hear the gospel. So it's so that you would not be naive in thinking that really you have anything to do with anybody's conversion except that you just shared God's word and that the word did the work that it's supposed to do. There's a lot here. There's a lot going on within this parable. But know that the King, God Almighty, has invited you. Heed that invite, heed, heed that invitation. Don't reject it. Believe what the Lord has said, that He has set a banquet before you, that all who are baptized, all who are children of God, all who know of His good grace, and those who trust in him and know that this right here is where he dines with you and he feeds himself to you so that you would be strengthened, so that you would 
eat and drink the very crucified, risen, and ascended body and blood of Christ so that you would be strengthened in your faith to face the world that's out there, to face the people that may seize you, treat you shamefully, and kill you for the gospel so that you would know that God abides that God abides in you and through you, calls you to his good will and to live according to that will. So that, as Paul says from Ephesians 5, from our text today, that we would address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and, singing and making... Singing and making melody to, to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of, out of reverence for Christ. For you are the ones, by grace, through faith, that aren't really mentioned in this parable. The ones that are faithful. The ones that show up. That one, the ones that wear that garment that God gives to you. And the ones that eat and drink in perfect joy and peace. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.